0: Hello, boxing fans. Thank you once again for joining us on another episode of Talking Fight featuring Christian from the Friday Night Panel and his ongoing exploration of the Olympics and all things related to boxing at the Olympics taking place in Tokyo this July. What do you got for us, Christian?
1: Uh, well, Graham, we got a couple of things on the go today. Um, and the first story is the ongoing uh, the ongoing pushback in Tokyo and in, in Japan in general about the Olympic Games. Now, We've been a bit guilty of this one on our own as well about maybe not portraying this one <clears throat> um, as as thoroughly as we could, or leaving things a bit vague. So I thought we'd take a bit of a closer look today, uh, as the CBC did recently. So I thought we'd uh, we'd take a bit of a closer look to get a better understanding about what's going on here, Because with the countdown to the delayed Tokyo 2020 Olympics nearing the two month mark, opposing factions of the games are kind of starting to dig in now for that final push. So. What we've got is we've got the Japanese government, the Tokyo Organizing Committee, and sponsors on one side. Now, they've got all the political mo- power and, back- and money backing this thing, defending, defending this event going forward, obviously scheduled for the 23rd of July. Well, the anti-Olympic contingent, on the other hand, is kind of just working away with the grassroots campaign at this point and is trying to marshal its forces on social media to stop the, uh, the Games from going forward. As we know, a petition in over the course of nine days was able to gather, I think it was 350,000 signatures. Yeah. So, the crux of this issue is the safety of holding the competition in the face of the ongoing pandemic. With more than 10,000 athletes, coaches, and staff expected to enter Japan shortly, a majority of the public does remain uncomfortable with the prospect of believing, you know, believing that it could lead. To a COVID-19 resurgence. Recent surveys in Japan have shown anywhere from 60 to 80% of those polled are against holding the Olympics this summer as scheduled. Of course, fanning the flames of this dispute are media outlets outside of Japan casting doubt on the viability of holding the games. So what's developed recently is kind of a reality distortion field around the games, you know, which is using a lot of terms like lockdown and state of emergency uh, being thrown around a lot and in a lot of cases incorrectly, or at least not the way you're thinking about them. So the situation in Tokyo is a lot different um, than it's generally being portrayed outside of Japan. Now, it's true cases have risen, but they do remain much lower than they were earlier this year. So in early January, Tokyo went through a stretch of an average, uh, averaging more than 2,000 uh, new cases per day. Now that's what prompted the case of emergency to be to, to be declared. But the capital city, coming at about 38 million people, uh, that's the Greater Tokyo area, of course, uh, which is the largest in the world, is now averaging fewer than a thousand infections per day. So Canada, by by example, where we have a national population similar to Tokyo's population, registered 5,000 new cases on the 16th of May. And if memory serves, a little over 2,000 of those cases were right here in Toronto. The truth is Japan has never actually been under what we think of as a lockdown and state of emergency. There is a little different uh, than what we've been seeing in other countries over the past 18 months. The current you know, um, emergency in Tokyo is in place until the end of May. Um, but besides asking restaurants and bars to close by 8 p.m. and not serve alcohol, life there is stayed pretty normal. Schools, sports clubs, gyms commute are, are open. Uh, trains are packed uh, on mornings and evenings with commuters, people moving around as they usually do, you know, albeit with masks on. Coffee shops are filled with customers going about their daily business. You know, you'll see people working remotely from Starbucks, that sort of thing. So right now, a total of 10 of the country's 47 prefectures were in some state of emergency as of the 16th of May. But railway stations and airports are operating as if it's business as usual. So the impact of reports overseas about the Olympics have, have you know, resulted recently in prominent Japanese athletes like Kei Nishikori and Naomi Osaka, who have both not lived in Japan for many years now, wondering loudly if it's going to be safe to hold the games. But what's often not included in the reporting of this is that many of those coming to Japan for the Olympics are going to be vaccinated uh, before arriving. Now you guys will remember because you've been paying close attention that we do, we're do we seeing vaccination offers both from the Chinese government uh, for the Sinovac vaccine as well as more recently uh, Pfizer has offered to uh, vaccinate athletes as well as coaching staff and support staff headed to the Olympics. Uh, as well, they will be required uh, to in, in order to enter Japan Proof of negative test. And that's actually going to be, according to the playbook, two negative tests within 96 hours of your departure for Japan. And then you're going to be required to take another test once you get to the airport. And then they're going to be tested daily while in country. Athletes are also going to be required to leave Japan within, I believe it's about 72 hours of the completion of their participation in the games. So, you know, you get knocked out first round of the boxing tournament. Three days later, you're out. You're not sticking around for the gold medal bout. That's the idea here. We're trying to minimize how many people are in that athlete's village at any given point in time. So that's a bit of a snapshot as to what's going on in Japan at the moment. So well, well, it's not a popular idea amongst the current population to hold the Games, they are doing a lot better than we're seeing in a lot of other places. Again, here in Toronto, we're still, I think we had our lowest cases since the beginning of March just today. And that was still something like 1,600 cases for uh, a city of, Three million people, daytime population of maybe four, five, somewhere in there. We're not talking 38 million people with less than a thousand cases. Uh, So hopefully things get better and uh, hopefully we're not seeing a too distorted view of what's actually going on in Japan. You know, we're not sending our athletes into, uh, you know, plague, a plague wasteland, you know, with everyone in hazmat suits around them. That's not what's happening over there. So, hopefully, things get a bit better. And hopefully, we'll start seeing some more positive stories. But that's just a bit of a reality check for myself, for you, Graham, and for anyone watching as to what's actually what lockdown in Tokyo actually looks like, as opposed to what we've been seeing here or around the world over the last 18 months. But moving off, moving off that, we do have some decent uh, news here, some good news, Graham. Most of India's Olympic bound male boxers, including world silver medalist and defending champion Amit Pengal, who made the cut for the uh, Asian championships in Dubai, for which the country's contingent will be leaving on the 21st because they now have the got the clearance to travel. So remember, we covered a little earlier in the week they were missing out on some visas in order to get. because We're talking moving parts for moving this uh, tournament so quickly. I keep saying moving parts. You keep saying it'll be fine uh i said haha, they didn't get their visas and well here's you right again so the event is uh do it was due to be held in delhi as you guys all know though of course but has been shifted to dubai to dubai because of the COVID 19 pandemic with india retaining co-host status for the tournament. So the tournament proper, though, is going to be beginning. It runs from the 21st through June 1st, but the tournament proper is going to start on actually the 24th of May, which is Monday, uh, with the drawing ceremony scheduled for the 23rd. So the team's departure plans, as you guys know, again, were were shrouded in uncertainty because of international travel restrictions. But the United Arab Emirates authorities gave their approval uh, late on Tuesday for the Indian team. However, Olympic-bound boxers Menesh Kaushik and Satish Kumar are going to have to skip the Asian boxing championships in Dubai as they have not yet fully recovered from COVID-19. So it's not all good news for our friends in India, but it's mostly good news. A coach associated with the national camp was quoted as saying, It's good news for us that Kaushik's latest COVID-19 report is negative, but since he hasn't started normal training, it has been decided that we will skip the Asian meet. Uh, while Kaushik has qualified for the Olympics in the men's 63 kilogram category, uh, Kumar will compete in the men's 91 kilogram category. Uh, both boxers are currently attending the national camp at the National Sports Institute, Institute in Patela. 25-year-old Kaushik uh, began 2021 season with an impressive victory at the Boxum Invitational Tournament in Spain back in March. You guys will remember. Uh, according to national team coach, Kaushik will resume training at moderate intensity starting this week, uh, saying we will start at 30, 30 to 40 percent and gradually increase the load. We aren't in a hurry, as the main focus is to perform well at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Uh, he added that uh, Satish Kumar uh, has already started training, but is yet to train at 100 percent intensity, saying he's not fit for competition yet. So it was decided to give him a bit of a break as well. So uh, for this tournament, Kaushik has been replaced by Shiva Thapa, a four-time Asian uh, games medalist, uh, while Narendra has come in for Satish Kumar. The women's team, which was announced uh, last month, I believe, uh, is headlined by six-time world champion MC Mary Combe and features all four of the Tokyo-bound boxers for uh, the Indian side, including Samrinjit Samrinjit Kaur, who recently recovered from COVID-19. Now, So, some bit of good news for them. They're getting back into fighting shape. They're getting out and they're going to have a chance to at least uh, dust off the gloves a little bit before they get into the Olympics. However, it is a bit too bad that uh, Kaushik and Kumar, who are, you know, they are metal hopefuls in uh, the games, are going to be left out of this one because of today's other announcement. And I think it's going to have them feeling a bit left out as well. Because in an unprecedented move, the uh, International Boxing Association, AIBA, uh, just yesterday on Tuesday, announced a prize fund of four hundred thousand dollars U.S. for the upcoming championships in Dubai. So AIBA released a statement saying uh, for boxers who take first place, that's both for the men and women, the award is going to be ten thousand dollars U.S. for a gold medal. It's about seventy three hundred British pounds, I I believe. Second place is going to be five thousand or uh, twenty about what's that work out to 5000 is a little over 2500 pounds or so and uh the 2500 pounds for each bronze medalist is about 1300 if you're speaking the queens so aiba president umar kremlev said the decision will motivate boxers to do their best saying boxers should receive a reward for their hard work not only will the money motivate athletes but it will also ensure the financial stability of them and their families adding All we do is for the sake of our boxers. They are our most important persons, and I wish all participants of the Asian Championships to show their best in the ring and stay healthy. So along with India, we're going to be seeing uh, Afghanistan, Bahrain, Indonesia, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kazakhstan, South Korea, Kuwait, Kyrgyzstan, Laos, Macau, Malaysia, Mongolia... Nepal, Pakistan, Philippines, Qatar, Sri Lanka, Syria, Tajikistan, Thailand, Turkmenistan, the United Arab Emirates, Uzbekistan and Yemen attending this particular tournament. So it really is a a truly an Asian championship. We've got we've got most places covered here at this point. Okay, so the promise of prize money, though, is just the latest example of the AIBA spending its cash after it opened uh, application process to its first ever development grants just a little earlier this month. You guys will remember, and this is, has a lot to do with uh, repairing their image as well, and uh, them inching ever so close, you know, inch by inch back to trying to get that IOC accreditation returned to them before Paris 2024, and you know, fingers crossed that they do because they've been proving that they can hold a boxing tournament, whereas. Uh, our ad hoc boxing task force run by gymnasts, on the other hand, is uh, having a bit of a time of things. Well, that's today, Graham. That's what we've got going on. Coming into next week, we've got those big championships starting up, so we'll have that to look forward to. And uh, yeah, we'll keep plugging away. Yeah, that's
0: an excellent report. That's an incredible list of countries, by the way. you know, when we think of Asia, it it spans from the Middle East all the way to the Pacific. it's It's a huge continent and uh, comprises many countries of which there must be uh, many boxers who we're we're not familiar with, uh, but hopefully who will come to light uh, at the Asian Games and hopefully get profiled by us uh, given their successes that I, I I hope anyway. Again, illuminating the best of the best that are onwards and upwards in their careers and hopefully showcased at the Olympics.
1: So- well, I think it's a little bit surprising, Graham, For we, we, we don't think necessarily about the size and breadth of everything that's going on over there. And that's, that's simply to do with the fact that we're getting old, if I'm being perfectly honest. Anyone was born after 1990 has a better idea what's going on. Because somewhere in the back of your brain, and it's in the back of mine too, even though I was a kid when it fell, the Soviet Union is still there. When you picture the world in your head, most of Asia is covered by one country. So you don't necessarily think in terms of all those Central Asian countries that used to be part of the former Soviet Union. And again, we've talked about this on on here before as well. A lot of those boxing successes in places like Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and, uh, Kyrgyzstan, where they are turning out great boxing talent in Central Asia. Prior to 1980, well, well the wall came down in 89. I think the Union itself in 91, finally, um, by the time that process ended but all those boxing successes prior to that were all just being chalked up to those are soviet medals. Yep. So we don't necessarily get all that that localized history from each country. So when it's not always forefront in our minds, at least not in mine. It's not but it will be soon.
0: <laughs> Certainly this new generation anyway will appreciate uh the vast array of boxers from the vast array of countries uh, that are participating solely in the Asian Games let alone the Olympics. It is mm-hmm. is truly truly an eye opener, uh, in terms of the breadth, if you will. Uh, you know, when we when we do talk about some of the headlines and some of the countries that grab those headlines, they represent a small minority of the countries that are going to be participating mm-hmm. in the Olympics. And uh, the Asian Games is a great example. That list you gave me,
1: is mind blowing, quite frankly. I mean, that's a it's great to see countries, Great to see countries like Yemen. Uh, yeah. on, on that list. Right. Like so exactly. places where you where you start to see things where sport does bring people together, yeah. you know, where we see, you know, people competing from countries that are not in a good way at the moment, uh, both for military slash socioeconomic uh, food shortages on top of COVID. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's good to see be able to see, you know, some of these countries represented that you wouldn't think would be able to field someone for a tournament like this.
0: Yep, yeah.
1: super good point. And uh, thanks for that, again. And
0: I hope the listener and viewership out there appreciated it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here. Thank you.